0: Welcome to our Frontline City Church podcast. This message will activate and inspire you in the supernatural love of God to find your purpose and reach your destiny through Christ. Amen. Thank you, Deacon Mups. Guys, I want to tell you, I appreciate each one of you being here today. And I appreciate everybody that's online and is watching online. You know what? This is for him. Yeah. This is not for our goosebumps or our comfort. This is for him. Yeah. So I want to just ask you, just to close your eyes, I just want to pray. Jesus, I want to say I'm so glad that you Yeah, I'm so glad for who you are, Jesus, that it's not dependent on us I'm so glad you don't like religion, Lord, that you like real, because that's what we want to be is real. So I ask you, Spirit of the living God, won't you come and just invade this place? Won't you come and touch our hearts with what you want? Because what you want is what matters. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Say with me, God is good. So the the, the The title of my sermon today is called The Power of His Love, The Power of His Love. And I want to read to you from John 3 verse 16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. For God so loved the world, He gave. The definition of love is giving. The definition of love is to give. The world's definition is what can I get? What are you going to do for me? How are you going to love me? God's definition of love is for God so loved the world that he gave. So, God's definition of love is God loved you. God loved you, each one of you, irrespective of your mistakes. Irrespective that you don't meet the mark, he loved you so much that he gave the most precious thing he had. That was part of him, his son, to pay a price that you don't have to pay that price. What incredible love is that? We can't begin to even understand or conceive what that love is all about. I'm going to share a little bit with you today. Um, some of the things that I've journeyed through with love, with God's kind of love. And I just feel that this last month, I've, I've done quite a lot of counseling, and everything is back to people understanding what is God's love for them. Because if you understand what God's love for you is, you can walk into a whole new freedom. One of the times I remember when... I encountered God's love. I didn't deserve it. I, We'd gone through, many years ago, we'd gone through a really difficult time in our lives, in our, in our ministry, and um, people that we had related to and respected in the ministry seemed to have been offended with us, and they'd gone out of their way to blacken our names on public TV. Wherever we went, if we went to visit another church, they would phone that pastor of that church and say, watch out. For Hannes and Mandy, they're bad. And I got angry. I was hurt. The persecution devastated my family. It caused such hurt. And I remember the one day after I'd been walking in town and I'd seen people and I went to greet them. They crossed the road, so they didn't need to greet me. And it's people I'd loved and cared for. And my heart was broken. And I went home, I remember standing in the passage of my house, shouting at God and saying, God, this is not fair. This hurt, this situation, what I meant, we, we lived for you, we, we did everything that we believed was right for your glory. It's hurt me beyond measure. It's hurt my family, it's hurt my husband, it's hurt my children so deeply that they didn't want to be in church anymore because they, they saw so ugly. I remember shouting at God so angry in the passage. And after about half an hour, I went to the bedroom and I fell on my knees next to my bed. And I remember saying, God, I don't even know if you're real anymore. I don't even know if it's worth serving you. I want these people to die. I want them to suffer the hurt that we've suffered. And suddenly, I felt somebody sit on the bed. And the atmosphere in the room changed. And every atom became alive with the presence of God. And you know what? In that moment, he said to me, Mandy, they persecuted me. It's not about you, Mandy. This is about me. So give me this, give me this pain. And I said, Oh God, I give you this pain. I give it to you. And I was so glad that he was the one going to carry that pain. It, it was the weirdest feeling. I was so glad that it wasn't me, that he's going to carry the pain. And I gave it to him. And I suddenly felt his love flood me so deeply. I began to just worship. The hatred, the sin in my heart, the hurt, it just disappeared, just like that. And I began to worship. I'd felt his presence so strong. I knew he sat on the bed because the bed went down next to me. I didn't wanna open my eyes, I was too scared. I'm being honest. But the atmosphere, when God walks in, you know that you know that you know. And that was an encounter with undeserved love that set me free. I had had hate in my heart. He set me free. Family, when we reel with God, when we acknowledge who we are in our hearts, His love can invade and set us free You know, the Bible speaks about, in, in the Greek in the Bible, it speaks about seven different kinds of love. I'm just going to talk about two different, uh, four different kinds. And the first one I'm going to speak about is a love called eros, erotic, romantic love. Okay? That's the intense sexual desire that you have for someone. Now, God intended eros. To only take place between a husband and a wife. That's God's intention. That's what he wanted. Why? Because it's the intimacy of Eros. is a picture of the love of Christ for his bride. That's you and me. This is why Eros is a sacred thing. It's a holy thing. Satan comes and he wants to pervert it. So he begins to call Eros, oh, love. So everybody that sees somebody and they think, oh, baby, this one's somebody cute. What happens? Lust. It's lust. And then people end up stepping across the mark because they don't control that. It's not submitted to God in the godly fashion what God created Eros to be in the first place. You see what I'm saying? So people then allow this to race through them and they end up stepping over the mark. There's some here that have. In any kind of aspect. And what does the Bible say? <laughs> Jesus says it even tougher. If you've thought it, you've done it. Ouch. You're just about all guilty. <laughs> hey, The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. Hey, come on. I've been guilty of thinking bad things. Yeah. I'm sure some of you have as well. Somebody wave a hand at me that I don't think I'm the worst. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So right, we get this. There's this erotic love, and that's for, intended, between a man and a woman, as God created it to be. The next kind of love is Philea, which is an affectionate friendship love. He's my pal. She's my pal. We're best friends. Hey? We all need Philea in our lives. We all need friends that are real and genuine and then we can just pour our hearts out to, and they'll tell us straight whether we're doing right or wrong, but they'll still love us. And they'll be there, and they'll sympathize, and we can joke with and have good fun. Yeah. Hey? It's an affectionate love. It's between good friends. It's between good, f- that, that filet is between a goodwill, sense of goodwill between somebody that you admire and or that you look up to. That kind of love is, we, we can see that kind of filet love with Jesus, with, between him and his disciples. I mean, they were a weird bunch, okay? Sort of like you lot, all right? But Jesus loved them. He fileted them. He wanted to be their friends. In fact, in the book of 1 John 3 verse 16, it says, but... By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. That word, that love used there is the, the word phileia. Hey? It's a friendship love. Phileia. Do you love your neighbor that you're willing to lay down your life? Jesus takes it one step further you love your enemies that you're willing to lay down your life? Oh, this is a gospel. This is a love that's next level. Okay, so we got that. Uh, Again, that same word, uh, uh, that same friendship love is in 1 John 3 verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Let us love with a godly kind of friendship that is active. It's active. Love is not just a heebie-jeebie feeling. Love is a doing word. Love is a verb. Love is a choice you make and you do it irrespective. So there's that kind of love. The third kind of love, the Greek word is torge. Say with me storge, okay? It means a familiar love, a family love. Like, I've got children, I've got a husband, that's my family unit. That's a special kind of love. This kind of love takes sacrifice. Storge, it's about parents and about children and children for their parents, and you you know what? Hey, I know times when my storegay family love comes to an end. When your kids are little, and you just spend the entire day cleaning, and then they, you come back in, and it looks like everything has fallen apart, and you think, "What bomb broke here?" And then the storegay goes out the window. And I want to kill them. Of course, none of you parents are like that. (laughs) Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, guys. I remember once, (laughs) I don't know what, can't remember exactly what happened. And I'd promised myself I'm going to be this beautiful, kind spoken Christian woman. It'll talk nicely to my children. And then one day, Jared <laughs> did something. Can't even remember actually now what it was. And I was so cross. And I started screaming at him. I started talking, but he gave me that look in this little red redhead face, redhead. And those eyes looked at me, and there was a little bit of a challenge. I lost it. I screamed at him like a banshee. And I remember in the middle of this screaming, I, I happened to look up and I saw the neighbor looking at me with these big eyes. Mm, yes, Lord. Yes. Those memories stay with you. So we need a store gay love. A store gay love is a love that says, I will love you endlessly, irrespective of what you do. That's the love of a parent for a child. That love never dries up. That love goes on and on and on. And I want to talk to the kids. I know your parents drive you up the wall. Okay? I know they're controlling. I know they're always telling you what to do and you've had enough. Come on, it's real. Okay? Okay? But you know what? When you're in a dark place, when you're in a place where everything in your life has failed, the gay, the family love, the brother or sister love, that stands there despite what you've done, I'll be there for you. So we've got the eras love, which is the only love that the world really recognizes and that what the world promotes, then we got the filet love, which is a friendship love. Then we got the storge love, which is the love in a family. Then, let me just read the scripture quickly about storge love. Matthew 3 verse 17. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my storge son part of who I am, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bones, toge, family, blood, hey? The next one we get, the greatest one, and that's the one I'm going to talk about today, is agape. The Greek word is agape. Say with me, agape. Agape love is the most special, it's the most respectful of all loves, this is the love that Jesus refers to again and again and again in the Bible. It involves being caring more for others than for yourself. Jesus' example of agape love is where he willingly gave himself to be crucified. Willingly. Just hold on a sec, it's hot, up here. He willingly gave himself to be crucified. He gave. Agape love is a love that says, I will give so that you can receive. Jesus said um, in Matthew 22, verse 37 to 39, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We've all heard this. So let's define it a little bit more. When Jesus says you shall love, that means you shall agape. 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 You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And when I read that, the Holy Spirit reminded me, there's a scripture in Jeremiah chapter 32, where there's a little part of it halfway down, round about, I think, verse 40 or somewhere around there, where God begins to reveal his own heart. And God says, I want to do good for you with all. All of my heart and all of my soul. Wow. Wow. So, just like God has commanded us to love Him with all of our hearts and with all of our soul, in Jeremiah, the same words are used where God says, I want to do good for you with all of my heart and with all of my soul. God is revealing His heart. Towards you. God's not out there to slap you with a zap electric bolt. Hey? You know, you always used to see these cartoons. I like cartoons. And you see God with a finger from heaven and electricity shooting down. Zap, 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 zap. All the people as they do wrong. Nope. He wants to do good for you. Because that is his nature. With all of his heart. And with all of his soul. The same way I say, Hannes, I love you with all of my heart and with all of my soul. And I mean it. God means his love towards us a gazillion times more. Do you see the new word, gazillion? Amen. So you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. And with all your mind, a decision. You decide. Oh, but I don't feel like it. Tough cookies. You decide. Love is a decision. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. Oh, well, yes, the big problem, you see. We can't love our neighbor because we can't even love ourselves. Do you know why? Because we don't have the foggiest idea or concept of God's love towards us. Amen. Amen. Our experience of love has defined for us what love is. But God's word defines his love far greater than our experience. You see, our experiences we get loved on condition that we perform. We get loved on condition that we do X, Y, and Z. That's what we get taught. That's what the human race is. That love is here. But God's love is, yeah. So when we begin to understand God's love for us, we can begin to love ourselves. And only when we begin to love ourselves, because he loved us first, can we begin to love others. Does this make sense? So I want to ask you, how would you define love? Love. Let's go to the good standard wedding ceremony, everything ceremony scripture. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to 7. And I want to read it from the Passion. Listen to this. Love is large and incredibly patient. Your Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous. Okay, you say you're not jealous, eh? Hey? Well, when somebody comes in with a Lamborghini, you're going to say, oh, he's so lucky," you know. <laughs> I wonder how much that cost him. Come on, guys. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to somebody else. Love does not brag about one's achievements, nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Listen to this. Love is not easily irritated, oops, or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. It doesn't delight in what is wrong. Now, now, what about that brother that did you wrong? Hey? And then they get something bad happens to them and you think, yeah, you will, Moss. You wanted to? Don't touch God's anointed. Hey, that's not love, is it? I've been there. Guilty. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best of others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. I want to read it to you slightly different. For God's love for you is large and incredibly patient. God's love for you is gentle and consistently kind. God's not jealous in an ugly way over you. God wants to bless you with all of his heart and with all of his soul. God wants you to achieve because you're his child. God does not want you to walk in shame and disrespect. He wants you to get ahead. God's not irritated at you, not at all. Even if you've come to him the hundredth, gazillionth time with the same prayer request. God doesn't take offense at you. He loves you. God celebrates you, especially when you walk in honesty. God doesn't get vindictive when you mess up. God's heart breaks for you when you sin. God's love is your place of shelter. God never stops believing the best of you. God doesn't accept your failure as defeat because he will never, ever, 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 ever give up on you. You see, that's how God sees us. Most of us can't believe that God sees us that way. So we can't accept it. Yeah, Pastor Mans, it's easy for you, you know? No. I am in a work in progress learning about the love of God. Do I often mess it up? For sure, okay? I haven't attained this kind of love yet. But what I can do is I can pray and say, God, you're going to show me how to love this way. On my own, I can't. But it's as I begin to grasp and I begin to believe that God's love for me is actually greater than what I ever thought possible, that I can begin to say, okay, mans, you can do this. Yes, you messed up here. But it's not the end of the world. God loves you. God's got your back. You can do this. And then in the same way, I can begin to do that for others. In the same way, I can begin to do that even for my enemies. Because it's not based on how I feel. It's based on what he says and a decision I take to walk in his kind of love. I promise you, I've said this before. Love between a husband and wife can fail. Wake up one morning, and I look at him, and I want to kill him. <laughs> I do. He irritates me, and I'm sure one or twice I've irritated you as well. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> hey, and then that's that's the eros love. Then there's a the friendship love. Men, I want to stab him. <laughs> Come on, I'm not the only one. Okay, you might not think of stabbing, but you'd like to see him get payback. Okay. Or whoever hurt you. Or your kids. Or yeah, you'll show your parents. You know those things? How... Do you love? When all other love fails, when the friendship love fails, when the family love fails, trust me, it fails. Okay? When eros, filet, and storge fail, what have you got left? It's agape, a God love. It's a love that teaches you that you can love yourself because it's a love that gave to you first. For God loved us first, before we knew what love was. As I'm talking here, some of you are sitting here and you've had pretty raw deals of love. You've badly wanted to be loved, but every kind of love that you've gone for has failed you. Every kind of love that you've experienced up to now has let you down. I want to tell you today there's a love that will never, ever, 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 ever let you down, and that's the love of God. The agape love of God. It's a love you don't deserve. And I think, God, how is it possible that you can love me? I look at myself and I think, I don't meet the mark. I don't fit the the mold. I lose my temper. I get pity party mode. You know those? I I get moments when I feel like nobody loves me. I get moments where I think when I see somebody, yeah, they're getting what they deserve. I get moments when I'm harsh. Lord, I don't mean to be. (laughs) Interesting thing. In this last while, I've been watching people. And I've been seeing how people react under pressure. Myself included. And I watch how people react when things don't go their way. I watch how tones of people's voices, how they speak to one another, and you know what? I realize that they need a revelation of the love of God. Do I mess up in this area? Yep. Even this week, instead of seeing the heart, I reacted to the outside and missed the heart. Because it was about me. You see, God's love says, doesn't matter how I feel. If I can lay down my life for my brother or my sister or my enemy, that they can encounter him. That's worth it. That's what love is. Say again for me, agape. 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 Tell the person next to you, they need agape. (laughs) God loved you first. You. You with all your warts, with all your sin, with all your complexes, with all your issues. He loved you with a love that has no boundaries. So why don't you love yourself? Some of you need today to say, God, forgive me for not loving myself. Teach me how to love myself through your eyes. Teach me how to love myself with your heart. On my own, I can't. So if you can't love yourself, how can you love somebody else? Oh, but I'm so nice to them. Oh, but I feed them. I give the, the the poor my money, pet, 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 pet. Hey, you got to love yourself first. The way he loves you, okay. he looks at you and he says, "My precious child, I love you with all my heart and soul. I love you so much that I gave my son Jesus Christ to die and suffer so that you don't have to." Amen. Love gives. Love gives. So maybe you've heard me read all these and you've thought, yeah, tick, yeah, yeah. Ooh, I'm not so bad after all. Okay. I want to read to you a little bit of an um, expanded view, expanded version. So this is what it's like to be loved, unconditional. This is what it's like, the way we all want to be loved, actually, Love suffers long having patience with imperfect people. Do you have patience with imperfect people? Do you have patience with yourself? You know what? God has patience with you. Love is kind, it's active in doing good. It's active in doing good. Yeah, but he drives me up the wall, man. It's okay. Be active in doing good. Love does not envy. It's non-possessive. Love actually wants other people to get ahead. So what if I don't get recognized? So what? So what if my gifting isn't being seen? It doesn't matter because I know God loves me. And I love myself. And I love others so much. I'll be willing to serve them irrespective without ever, ever get any recognition or not. Amen. That's love. I lay down my life. I don't lay down my life so I can get recognized as a big Peabody with this incredible preaching gift or whatever. I lay down my life. It wants other people to get ahead. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. It's not all about me. This is one I see so much in this day and age. Love does not treat others arrogantly. Well, I know better. And because I know better, you don't know anything. We wouldn't like God to treat us that way, would we? Love does not behave rudely. Ouch. Love displays good manners and courtesy. Okay, now, all of you, I know you up to, yeah, you've all ticked. Yes, 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 yes. Love does not seek its own, demanding attention for its way. Yeah, but you know, it's about me and what I feel, and you're going to meet my love, and, and you're going to do what I want you to do, and you're going to meet my expectations, and only when you've met my expectations, then... I will love you back. Come on. That's the way the world operates. That's the society we live in. If you do X, Y, and Z, then I will love. And I will do X, Y, and Z. Why do you think we have the greatest epidemic of divorces? Now, I'm not nailing people that have got divorced, okay? Divorce happens. It's not the unforgivable sin, okay? God hates divorce because of the pain and the destruction of the family. But it's not the unforgivable sin. And God can restore and put things right and heal things beyond measure. That's the God I know. Love is unselfish. Oh, what did my way? What about me? Love is not provoked. It's not irritable, touchy. It's not on the defensive always. Oops. We tend to be on the defensive, especially when we have rejection issues. Love is not rough and it's hostile, not hostile. Love is graceful under pressure. Dad always says, if you want to find a punch in, the cyclist Lynn will agree with me. And If you want to find a punch in your tire, put it underwater and see where the bubbles come out. When it's under pressure, you find where the bubbles come out. That's sort of like I say. And I watch and I see and I listen. And when I see the pressure and I see the bubbles coming out, when things don't go our way, even within the church, How we respond to people. And I think, "Mm, Lord, that one's got a long way to grow in finding your love for themselves. We want people to have this kind of love for us. We want to be loved like this. Let us love first. The same way he did. Love things no evil. Love does not keep an account of wrongs done to it. I'm so glad God doesn't keep an account of wrongs I've done to him. Yeah. Hey? How about we erase the wrongs that others have done to us? Yeah, but you don't understand. In 1975, <laughs> he took the remote from the TV. We didn't have remotes then. No. He switched the TV off when I was watching my ge- National Geographic. And he was so rude. And, and, and it still hurts me to this day. Come on. Yeah. Get over yourself. I forgive you for that. <laughs> but more importantly, please forgive me for being a twit and holding on to resentment. Yeah. Am I talking to somebody here? Uh, Love erases resentments. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, finding satisfaction in the shortcoming of others, and spreading an evil report. You don't expose others' weaknesses or failures. Church of Jesus Christ, gossip is evil. If you've got nothing good to say about somebody, shut up. Sorry, I'm calling it like it is. You wouldn't want people to say things about you. You wouldn't want people to discuss your weaknesses behind your back. Stop doing it to others. God gives you the benefit of the doubt. He believes in you. It's time you give others the benefit of the doubt. Love rejoices in truth, aggressively advertising the good. When last have you aggressively advertised the good? When last have you aggressively advertised the good? Love bears all things, defending and holding people up. Love believes the best of people and credits them with good intentions, even if they mess up. You would really love God to credit you with good intentions, even if you've messed up and sinned big time, hey? Come on. Credits him with good intentions. Love is not suspicious. Love does not accuse. Satan is the accuser. Some of you are sitting and you've got voices accusing you in your head, saying you could have done it better, you could have done it different, you should have, and all those things. That Satan refused to listen. God doesn't accuse. He convicts so you can repent and change. That's love. Love hopes all things, never giving up on people, but affirming their future. I spoke to a teenager this week. And they said, my parents always compare me to others. They're always telling me how I fall short, how I messed up, how I don't meet the mark. And I feel terrible about who I am. And that really struck me. And I had to make the decision that what comes out of my mouth, even if what I'm saying is justified... Even if what I'm saying is right, I will not compare people to other people, especially my children. Or my parents. Hey, Connor, you've really got a nice mom and dad. I didn't have one. You know, my mom was an alcoholic. My dad wasn't interested. You're so lucky. And then my poor dad and mom tried their best, but I can't see it. Love endures all things, persevering and remaining loyal to the end. Love affirms people's future. You know what, hey? Love honors others as better than themselves. This is a kind of love that's impossible. I can't. How on earth are we supposed to love our enemies if I can't even love my husband sometimes? Or if I can't even love the people in my church sometimes. Yeah. Or if I can't even love myself sometimes. More often than not. The only way is I've got to make a decision that, God, I choose to believe you. That you love me with a love that's far beyond my experience. So reveal to me, God, what your love for me is that I can begin to love myself and that I can begin to love others. When we can get this revelation, the church will begin to walk into who God called the church to be. Amen. Amen. I choose to honor people, irrespective of their color, irrespective of their race, irrespective of their education or their social status. Irrespective of whether they agree with me or not. It's not always easy. Because I like everybody to agree with me. Hey, Hannes. (laughs) But I choose to love. And sometimes when we have a revelation of God's love for us, and things go wrong in our lives, we can step back and we can look up at Him. I say, God, just give me your love again. Let me just see your love again. Okay, I see your love again for me. Right, God? Now I need you to give me your heart for my husband. Or your heart for my friend. Or my father or my mother. Or my children. Or my boss. Or the one that raped my daughter. Or the one that murdered my child. Or the one that spoke badly about us on national TV. And then God says to you, challenges you a bit further. When those very ones that spoke badly about us on national TV and persecuted us, when they went through a hard time, instead of me rejoicing, we cried, Hannes. Do you remember that? Our hearts broke and we decided to be active in love and we decided to bless our enemies and we took them on a holiday of a lifetime. We paid for them, we bought them food, we paid for their flights, we spoiled them. Not so that I could get a pat on the back or harness, but it's because we began to have a revelation of his love for us that we could love our enemies and do good to them. That's love. Every other love, all the other kinds of love, will fade. What sustains is the agape love. It's agape love. It's a decision you take based on who he is and the way he loves you. And then you can love others and yourself. The greatest, the greatest love is agape. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, the Passion Translation. Until then, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. Yet love surpasses them all, agape love. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. So, above all else, above gifts, above works, above everything else, let love, agape love, be the beautiful prize for which you run. Can we stand? Can we stand? You know what, eh? Hey? I would love to hug every single one of you. I would love to just hold you tight and just take your pain and the rejection and the hurts that you've experienced. And the way you sometimes even hate yourself. And the way you sin again and again and again. And you think, God can never forgive me. But now we have COVID, so I can't, unfortunately. But know this. And know this, that He sees you and He loves you. You don't have to prove yourself by performing. He loves you. I want you just to close your eyes. Some of you haven't had love in marriages like you needed it, some of you have been rejected. Some of you, your parents have failed you. Some of you don't have parents. Some of you, your siblings have failed you. Some of you, life has failed you. But right now, the love of God is going to touch you. I want us to sing that song, Yeshua, again. And as we sing that song, I want you to look up. We'll sing it through once and then we'll see how the Spirit leads. As we sing this song, I want you to, first of all, I want you to say, God, I repent from not receiving your kind of love. And when you've repented, I want you to ask God to show you how to love His way. That God would reveal His heart of love for you. It's time, people. We can't go on all the other empty kinds of love. We've got to encompass the agape love of God. For us first, He loves us. Then we can love ourselves. And only then can we love others. So as we worship now, you look up to Him. God's going to touch you as you worship now. As we sing this song, Yeshua, the love of God is going to begin to invade your heart. You need to ask God to forgive you and you need to forgive yourself. And you need to say, God, reveal to me your love because you are all I need. And allow him to come in and to begin to heal, to begin to heal, to begin to heal. Amen.